y'all this is seba the southern fried witch and i'm here today with one of my dear friends warren tidwell who is on the ground with something that's happened right down the road from where my little farm is and has really created a lot of uh, distress and pain for a lot of people in camp hill alabama um warren if you wanted to say hi Absolutely. My name is Warren Tidwell. I am the executive director of the Alabama Center for Rural Organizing and Systemic Solutions, otherwise known as ACROSS. We are a tiny little nonprofit uh, doing work in Camp Hill, Alabama, where sadly we are currently dealing with two disasters. Uh, the first one being the hailstorm that hit on March 26th. Softball to grapefruit size hail affected 98% of the homes in this community of, of 1,000 people. We had hailstorm, hailstones that went through roofs, through ceilings, uh, damaged within homes. It totaled 90% of the cars in town, including all 50 in our public housing. This is a community that doesn't have a grocery store, doesn't have a laundromat, doesn't have a pharmacy. So it's created uh, a lot of issues on food shortages and things like that. Sadly, some of the people affected, including some who were displaced by the storm, had children uh, killed and injured in the shooting in Dadeville last Saturday night, where the team I'm working with, the volunteer fire department, were some of the first on scene. So some pretty dark days here, but we're working as hard as we can to to make sure that we get what Camp Hill needs and the help that these folks need. That's so heartbreaking because they're right in the middle of trying to recover somehow from this disaster and then now grieving the life of, uh, was it one or two Camp Hill resident? Right now, uh, there's there's one Phil Dowdell, wonderful young man, just as good a kid as you'd ever hope to meet, was headed to college on a full scholarship. Uh, there are others uh, who are severely injured. Uh, we do have some of them that have come back into town because even though the shooting happened in Dadeville, it was a, a party from folks from Camp Hill and they really weren't even aware of, of the situation that caused the tragedy. And so one of my good friends in town, uh, stepson, sadly will be paralyzed uh, from the waist down for the rest of his life. So you look at dealing with this disaster of, of affecting your home and, and the devastation, which if they did categories for hailstorms, this would have been a category five hailstorm. The mm -hmm. roofers have been doing this for 30 to 40 years. They know they've never seen anything like it. They were coming and getting tarps from us to go help people for free without even trying to get the business, you know, that they, of course, they're in business to make money and do roofs, but they saw the overwhelming need and immediately jumped in. So, yeah. And then of course the tragedy after the fact, three weeks, you know, two and a half weeks in uh, for the other to happen is, is almost unthinkable. It's, it is, it is. And I know that you've tried to get the word out. I know that you've talked on a few podcasts about it, I think, or a news person or two, but I think help is slow coming. Is that correct? It is. And, you know, I've, as, as I said, I've been doing this for 25 years at the grassroots level. I've worked in communities that have been forgotten about. And I have to give a, a great big shout out to some of the 
uh, or big organizations, they've done a lot of good work getting food and things in for us and helping us uh, with tarps and things like that. But that rush of volunteers that you would normally get if it were a tornado or anything like that, that's never materialized. It could be that this is, of course, a hailstorm. It's hard for people to understand, but we had a front page news article that explained in graphic detail what we were dealing with. Camp Hill is a town that is 90% African-American and is kind of on an island up here. And so we've gone back and forth from feeling like we're forgotten about to where we may be outright ignored by some. But there are a lot of, a lot of good individuals who, who have come to help us. We just need a lot more. And what kind of help would that lot more include? What are you looking for on a bigger scale? Because I know that what you're saying is that there are rooms that people cannot live in in their homes. There may be homes they cannot live in um, and that this repair is going to be extensive, not to mention the loss of cars and the ability to get back and forth to work. So what sort of help are we actually talking about if we were going to get really specific? What would be your wish list? Well, the first, uh, first off, we're in the immediate aftermath of, of one of the strangest disasters I've ever worked. I, I say it's an invisible disaster because you can drive through town, see some busted windows and cars, maybe see some tarps and think, well, maybe they got a hailstorm or whatever, and then keep driving and not know that it has you know, messed up inside the homes. The biggest need that we have now, and it's one of the hardest things to find, is that are people who are you know, skilled at tarping roofs. We have a number of older homes with, with pretty steep pitches, too, uh, that we're getting professionals to, to take care of. That first uh, wave, Team Rubicon, is currently in town. They've sent a few volunteers. Thank goodness they've handled a great deal of it. Um, but we're looking at if we don't get a disaster declaration, which we currently do not have. You know, you normally would get a federal disaster declaration on something that has been this much damage. But, you know, hailstorms, again aren't necessarily seen as something that is worthy of that. But we have a we have a fundraiser that we're putting together. It will be linked off of uh, our website, acrossalabama.org, uh, within the next couple of days, because we're going to have to, we're, we're doing this like case management with each individual person, finding nonprofits, individuals, any organization that is willing to come in and do service ethically and responsibly and not transactional. That is one of our requirements to not take advantage of the situation. And thankfully that hasn't happened yet, but yeah, it's, we're going to have to get mighty creative on this. if We don't get a disaster declaration. And how long do, the, do those usually take Warren? We're in a strange kind of, I guess, donut hole that happens sometimes. Uh, I mm -hmm. tell people this, that sometimes you're better off getting a small tornado in an area that's been ravaged by bigger tornadoes than getting a one single tornado that tears more up in your community. What I mean by that is a lot of times the disaster declaration will be extended to counties around some of the worst damage. Where for us, we had to do the EMA assessment, which is what happens. Uh, we went and did 400 and something site visits. That gets submitted by the local emergency management officials to the state, who then has to request federal assistance. It is my understanding, however, too, that President Biden could do a presidential declaration, much like what he did for Selma uh, for us. So we've got some communications teams working some stuff up for some social media pushes to kind of get the word out and, and encourage these folks to, to do this. To be completely frank, yes. these reps don't need these votes. They don't. And, right. and, and we're also so close to Auburn that there is a great 
concerned that we will become a, a suburb of Auburn or a bedroom community of more, you know, more affordable housing for students because, of course, Auburn and Opelika area is exploding in East Alabama. So there's there's a number of, of concerns with this. Well, let's talk about that for a second, because I think and just clear me up if I'm off base, but are you concerned that this could just be forgotten, raised to the ground, and then bought back up by the wealthy in Auburn to use? 100%. You know, that has been a concern of ours for a while. We haven't seen any of our, our state representative senators. Ed Oliver, I believe, has come here. He's the one. But of course, the our, our congressman in D.C., Mike Rogers is too busy passing anti-trans legislation to come here and help uh, us, right? Because right, and, and so we're an open podcast. You're just talk away. You're fine. Well, that's the thing, and and it is the one silver lining to this has been all of the folks that I've worked with here who are either apolitical or who may describe themselves as conservatives or whatever, calling that out for the BS it is, right? And yeah, they, they need to be here helping us and, and they're not. And so I've been encouraged by that. The other thing I have been encouraged by is, you know, the volunteer fire department that I'm working with are, are just a great group of young guys. And for them to, to get on interviews and talk about this as a climate catastrophe, as a harbinger of future storms, you know, been, that's been encouraging to hear because I feel very strongly about that. And we've discussed these things like this is a storm this won't be the last hailstorm like this, you know? Mm-hmm. And so with the work that, that I do uh, in, in working here and, and with across the nonprofit that, that I'm with, a, a lot of it is that we aren't necessarily trying to overtly change people, but we do, uh, we do end up doing that because you can't dehumanize somebody who's right in front of you, right? Mm-hmm. Our team is incredibly diverse, you know, really and truly doing the work with other orgs I've done. I'm a former mechanic, uh, service advisor, self-described redneck, but I am this surrogate dad for all these trans and queer kids in Alabama. And, you know, I love them. They come and they help with things like this. And then when you have these situations where you can get folks from across different spectrums together, you know, there can, you, can, you can change hearts and minds. And that is a, a side effect. It's an intentional side effect of what I do. But at the same time, you know, it's just, it's good to see that it is changing some hearts and minds with all the tragedy, with all the bad stuff going on here, that some of these local folks who've never really thought more than two seconds about climate change being, you know, vocal proponents of it now. It is a shock. It is a shock that hail of that size and that veracity could decimate a town. It's a complete shock to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it really worries me because I, I don't, you made a point to say that a lot of them are in public housing, and I just don't see a lot of, um, what do we do about that? That's a state. Isn't that at the state level, whether or not those get repaired? Well, they've started repairing them. I believe Opelika Housing Authority is over Camp Hills, even though that's yeah. a county away. And so a number of them, the roofs have been repaired. A number of them have been partially repaired. And interestingly enough, I have a plan to visit there tomorrow to ask what the next steps are. So they have had things moving in public housing. Mm-hmm. I also have a, a friend of mine who's done auto glass for a long time. And he came in and he made arrangements over two to three weeks with some of these folks because some of our community doesn't, they don't just live week to week, they live day to day. 
Right. And he was so happy to report to me that every single person paid him every single penny over that oh, time. And, okay. and yeah, it's they're spending their grocery money on glass after missing days of work. Right. And then on top of that, the people who don't have right now, just 100 yards from me is the public housing. And there's probably 20 to 30 cars still sitting under blankets over there. See, this is heartbreaking. This is heartbreaking. And I did see on Facebook, I did notice that y'all were uh, getting food down mm -hmm. there to them. Is the food need also still a relevant issue? Well, you know, um, I haven't talked about this much, but uh, I was here working on issues that weren't disaster recovery. Um, you know, food scarcity, some community building stuff with my former organization. And um because that didn't fall under the mission of that org, um, I resigned and I took an unpaid position with the town of Camp Hill to oversee this. And uh, so we've started the other nonprofit to oversee the long-term recovery. But in the meantime, what that allowed me to do was call in every single favor I've ever needed to call in. And all the people that I know who have the ability to bring in things like 15,000 shelf-stable meals, tractor trailer loads of food, things like that. Thankfully, that that has happened. And uh, as of right now, we're pretty stable on food, but food scarcity is an ongoing issue here. That's a temporary thing. Mm -hmm. And so the best thing to do, and I can get you the information for this if you want to share uh, when this podcast comes out, is for our local food pantry. Supporting them is the best way to support the food needs here. That sounds wonderful. Well, let me ask you another question. I know that right now it's just about, you know, it's, it's a stopgap, you know, the patient in front of you triage right now. Right. But uh, long term, what do you think of maybe a community garden for these wonderful folks? I am uh, I am pleased to tell you that we are already looking at the land that we're going to try and get for the community garden and in, in the community. We have uh, a big dream of a community-owned grocery stores. Uh, the folks here are really open to novel solutions because capitalism has completely and utterly failed them. And so the systems that have failed them, you know, they're not necessarily interested in, in, in investing in. Uh, and so the first step for the work that we're going to be doing here, uh, because it's not up to me or the folks I work with to fix this community. These folks know what they need. There's brilliant leaders here that I've already met and I will continue to meet. And securing those, those resources and things like that uh, are very important. And creating sustainable solutions like community gardens uh, is definitely within the wheelhouse and within the scope of the plan that we're doing. And I'm also happy to say that I'm already networking with folks like up Highway 280 from us who are planning the same thing. So maybe we'll do a regional thing. You know, that's, that's another big dream we have. I think that's really important what you said is that this isn't, you know, somebody just come save us. They are willing to save themselves. They just need a little bit of support and uh, and I think a plan, right? Absolutely. Wonderful people that live there. Just real quick, did you have any other connection to Camp Hill before this? Well, the I spoke to this, uh, had a statewide gathering here in December at this beautiful First Universalist Church in town. and. Uh, I told them about Jack Baker. I worked a few years ago at an Ace Hardware in Auburn, Alabama with Jack. And at the time, Jack, uh, Jack's husband, he and his husband lived here in Camp Hill, but I just knew Jack. And of course, I didn't know that Jack was gay either. 
And so Jack and I become close friends. And so once he figured out that I'm someone he could confide in, um, which it's, it's open, you know, knowledge now, he told me about Camp Hill and his husband and this beautiful church, the first universalist church and how you got to come to Camp Hill. This is a, this will be a good place to work. And sadly, Jack passed away before I spent a couple of years working overseas back in 2016, 2017. But uh, I, I'm happy to say that that stuck with me. And so I reached out to uh, CJ Marbot, who is the pastor of First Universalist Church, and I asked if you know they were interested in me coming up and maybe talking to them about some plans for the community. And when I showed up, there was like 10 people waiting to meet, and I was so impressed by that. I'm like, these folks are ready to go to work, right? Yeah. And so thanks to the influence of Jack, who I miss dearly, um, and, and CJ and, and Bill Edwards, uh, his husband, it, it is, it, it's how I ended up here and I'm grateful. And I just happened to have so much experience doing disaster recovery, even though I hadn't planned on doing that here, that I'm grateful to be here. The thing that keeps me up at night, and, and this isn't me tooting my own horn, it's just that. I've been in these little towns where there's no recoveries and how it goes. The thing that keeps me up at night is the thought of if I weren't here. Yeah. And so if Jack, Jack did what he could to get me here. And even though he passed away before I was able to get here and see everything, I've experienced it all. Uh, and his husband, Will, is still a dear friend of mine, uh, lives here in town and has an amazing art gallery in Dadeville, uh, Raining Dogs uh, art gallery that people should go check out. You know, and I've heard from some of my friends, my, you know, you know, I'm a witch, you know, I'm a, yeah. I have Christian friends as well. If you live in Alabama, uh, that's kind of the way it rocks. But what I wanted to say is I've got some friends I know are pagan that have gone to that church and have felt extraordinarily welcomed. It seems like it's a very open, loving place to be that's accepting of pretty much anyone. Am I right about that? Absolutely. Um, you know, as a, as a straight white guy, I'm kind of the minority in a lot of ways, uh, which is cool. That's, I like to keep it that way. I don't deal with a lot of nonsense. And so, uh, so yeah, absolutely. And, and some of those are mutual friends as well are members and they, they really, you know, take to, to heart the universalist thing, right? Like, and they, they work through that because I personally am humanist is kind of my vehicle for interacting with the world around me. Mm -hmm. And as such, I get to be friends with people from all these amazing walks of life. So like I tell people, you know, my three best friends are a Christian, a Muslim and a Jew. And it sounds like a bad joke, but mm -hmm. we get along because we're not assholes. But I have a number of pagan friends. I have a number of non-religious friends mm -hmm. and all the work that I've done. Uh, you know, I have friends like we you know, straight, gay, black, white, trans, queer, all these identities. And it's, it's amazing that people think that we can't have something like that, people working together like that in the South. But it's been my experience for years. It's a little bit more nuanced and, and complicated on the ground. And when we have these disasters that remind us of our shared humanity, uh, it's a lot easier in those moments in time, right? But to get yeah. to know someone before you figure out what differences you have, you find your likenesses first. And so it's a lot easier to work through the differences. Well, I think it's really hopeful that this can happen still for this community, that it can heal and become more self-sustainable. Um, but I do know there's still serious need. Otherwise, I don't believe you would have quit your paid job. <laughs> yeah, I'm... Uh... 
it, it is. And, and it's going to be hard for a little bit for me personally, but I have a network and I'm going to be able to, to, to continue to build across and, and create, you know, a stable uh, job for myself. I'm, I tell people, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to get rich. I need to put some burritos in the freezer so I can eat, <laughs> keep the lights on, you know, but uh, it's going to suck a lot more for the folks in this town. And when I saw that need, even before the shooting, you know, and my wife, Jennifer is absolutely amazing and supports me in everything I do and was like, you really don't have a choice, do you? You know, and I was like, no, I don't. No. Well, let's get very specific then before we close down. So I know there will be financial need, extraordinary financial need, not just people on the ground. So this podcast goes to a lot of different places. And I know that you do need, like you said, you need roofers, you know, you need people who are willing to do the work that can get here. But on, on that note, could they, is there a place to camp for them if they were from out of state? Is there uh, a spot for them to pop a tent? What what would be the situation for them? Heck yeah, we got a lot of room over by the Universalist Church. Like the the, the neat thing about working in a small town like this is that we do what we have to do. And so there are multiple places and, and I have friends in the area who I'm sure that I could talk to who have land in some places, maybe a mutual friend of ours uh, to be able to oh. see if we could do that. But absolutely, absolutely. And and it is, you know, I talked to the, the this volunteer fire department that I work with and other people uh, about, you know, I work with people who will do, like I say, service ethically and, and without transaction and and it's been pretty good so far. Uh, now, as always, because the churches do have uh, a lot more resources and a lot more of the ability to move some things, they have. I am pleased to say that, that in this one so far, it has been, they've come in, they've dropped the stuff, they've left. They've checked in on us and that's been it. And that's okay. that's what you need okay. to do, right? Like for me, that's, that's kind of a requirement. Uh, there shouldn't be, uh, you know, it, it shouldn't be an expectation of anything for the help. Right. So just let's make sure that we're covering the whole base here. What about the uh, family of the young man who was paralyzed and suffered that horrible shooting over in Dadeville? On top of all that, is there anything set up in support of that? There are things coming. Uh, I'm, I'm pleased to say, you know, they've been dealing with this uh, every single day. He was initially in Montgomery and then transported uh, to Birmingham for rehabilitation. But we will be uh, putting that information out through a, across Alabama.org newsletter. We're going to be letting people know we're already looking at some of the healthcare needs, maybe some of the healthcare equipment. Uh, so if the family does have a fundraiser specifically for them, we will be promoting that. Uh, mm -hmm. Otherwise, uh, we are going to do our best to find resources for them too through across so that we can support them. This is going to be a long, long road. And, and that, I, like I said to them, you know, the, the young man still has a future. It's going to be a different future, but he still has a future. And we're going to be there through that, uh, through the entire thing. The, a lot of these nonprofits uh, come into these little towns, make all kinds of promises, you know, exploit them to raise funds off of them and then leave. And that's not going to be the case at all with this. I know these people. They're my friends. You know, I, I, yeah. I gave them my word when I came here that I would do whatever I could and support them in any ways that I could. And we're going to continue to do that. All right. So I, I assume that folks could actually send money if they needed to do that instead of show up. They could send money to help with the roofing and 
the hiring of people to get this community back on the ground? And where would that be? At onacrossalabama.org, there will be a fundraiser link that is uh, dedicated to this particular disaster. Because our organization is headquartered here, because this is going to be a two to three year process, uh, if not more, uh, and especially if we don't get a disaster declaration, uh, we will be raising funds. We will be doing the case management, as I said, and and we will be prioritizing and helping folks. So fundraising link uh, across Alabama.org. Any questions, reach out to me, uh, Warren at across Alabama.org. And uh, I'd be happy to talk to anyone about it. Let them know what's going on. And if they want the latest details, you know, I'll definitely get that to them. Well, yeah. And I also just want to say to any of my listeners that the reason that I'm putting this on a, on a podcast, and I know you're used to talking about witchcraft and paganism, but this was important to me. I reached out to Warren and I said, I don't have enough money to give and regretfully can't leave my house most days. Um, babysit the grandbaby, the farm. And I said, but I do have a platform. So the reason it was so important to me is I saw the videos. And I saw the broken hearts and I saw it's choking me up talking about because it was just quite unbelievable. This could happen right down the road and hit such an already, I suppose, um, financially struggling sort of area and the aid not be immediately available. And this is what I'm doing for it. So I do encourage anyone listening to please consider supporting. And if you can't, to consider sharing this information as much as possible and getting the word out. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to say to anyone listening about this project or about the people that you are so wonderfully representing and supporting right now? Uh, you know, I really love that I get to advocate for this little town. This community has been so incredibly kind and warm and welcoming to me and to anyone who comes, you know, a lot of these folks with the help. Uh, it's It's been amazing. Uh, as you said, it's a particularly vulnerable community. I think we have 80 folks uh, that are dealing with dialysis. We've got 20 to 30 cancer patients. Oh a lot God. of a lot of folks who are um, who are disabled, physically disabled, developmentally disabled in some cases, and so they need our help. And as you said, they deserve our help. They deserve mm -hmm. anything we can we can do for them. So thank you so much for having me on today. I, I really appreciate it. And and. You know, I've, I, I think I've cried as, as many tears as I could, and then it hits me again. You know, it, it's, it's a tough situation. So any signal boost, elevation of what's going on here, anyone who wants to come help, donate, or whatever, we would greatly appreciate it. Thank you. And I think also sharing is just a wonderful way to get the word out if you can't do another thing, because sometimes you don't know who you're going to reach. As, uh, as I think we've learned in your story, that someone made a connection with you, and now you're the one there. I love that. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Warren. Thank you. I, I really enjoyed it. I appreciate you giving this time you did. Absolutely. And uh, y'all, I will go back to my regularly scheduled witchy program next week. Please do consider helping the wonderful people in Camp Hill. The links will be posted underneath all of my media. And blessed be y'all. Talk to you next week. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the Deep South.